carried his long-barreled rifle at quarter arms, and kept his silhouette hidden as he made his way back up the ridge to his team. Blue, he half-whispered, as he drew within hearing range of the first man. Moan, came the reply. Blake straightened up a bit and joined the other seven men positioned around the ridge. Fifty percent alert, Blake. The team's captain, Puerto Rican-born and bred, was a West Point graduate and spoke English, as well as five other languages, like someone from the heartland. Sir. Blake flipped the night vision goggles down again. His team had already prepared rudimentary hasty fighting positions, shallow, body-sized fortifications made from low walls of stacked rock and whatever natural cover they could find. The team's master sergeant, its engineer, and the medic were already curled up on thin foam pads in these small trenches, using poncho liners to conserve what heat they could as they slept. Blake walked up the hill to where Harry Chi, the communications specialist, was working with the two signals intelligence people. The specialists, the special forces team, was escorting on this night mission. The SIGINT men brought two pieces of gear with them. The first, a signal survey unit, had immediately been dubbed the Sniffer by the rest of the team. The term was descriptive. The unit continuously sampled airwaves across all frequencies and stored what it found on a built-in ruggedized hard drive. The other piece of electronics, not nearly as exotic, was a much more sophisticated version of a police scanner, designed to allow the team to listen in on any voice transmissions in the radio and wireless phone spectrums. Other than Pakistani army traffic from across the border, any signals intelligence in the region was assumed to be Taliban. The local people were goat herds for the most part, strangers to radios and satellite phones. They lived in huts devoid of electricity, primitive homes even by third world standards. As an American officer once quipped when someone mentioned bombing this part of Afghanistan back into the Stone Age, that wouldn't be much of a trip. The two signals intelligence soldiers were hunched over the scanner unit as Harry tinkered on it with his field kit. There, the junior of the two SIGINT men was saying as he pressed a pair of stereo headphones to his ears. That fixed it. Strong signal, five by five. Harry nodded wordlessly, put his tools away, and moved off into the darkness. Blake was walking away as well when he heard one of the Siggin soldiers, the one wearing the headset, whisper to the other, Old Sitting Bull don't say much, does he? Blake turned, came back, leaned close to the man, made a come-here motion with his finger. Yeah? The man lifted one side of the headset away from his ear. Four things, soldier, Blake said, his voice low. He began to count on his fingers. One, Sitting Bull was a Lakota Sioux. The man who just fixed your equipment is a member of the Navajo Nation and third-generation army. Fact, his granddaddy was a code-talker in the Pacific. Two, you probably talk a little louder than you think you're talking when you've got those cans on your ears. Three, the people on this team probably hear better than most. Blake fell silent. That's three, the Sigint guy finally said. What's the fourth thing? Blake leaned closer. He was almost whispering in the other man's ear. Special forces are tight, soldier, he said. We know one another's families, know one another's houses. We even know one another's blood types. So if you go talking crap about one of us, there are people here who will take it as a reason to open up a giant-sized can of whoop-ass. Me? I'm prone to give a man a second chance. Let him say he's sorry. The younger man straightened up and glanced at his partner. Hey, the more senior man held up both hands. You want to dance with the Green Berets? Sorry, dude, you're on your own. The guy with the phones glared at Blake. Then his face softened in the starlight. I'm sorry, he said. Don't sweat it.
Blake picked up his rifle and moved off down the ridge. The rifle Blake Kershaw carried was an M21, technically the M21 sniper weapon system, the highly accurized rifle-scoped version of the M14. Like the 45 on his hip and the claymores down the slope, it was a decades-old design, long since superseded by modern, more sophisticated weapons. But like the 45 on his hip and the M18A1 claymores, the M21 was extraordinarily robust and would function perfectly even in environments like the mountains of southeastern Pakistan in mid-autumn, which was pretty much like the dead of winter anywhere else. While it could not reach out and touch someone at the extreme ranges of the bolt-action rifles used by conventional army snipers, the M21 was semi-automatic, meaning Blake could engage several targets in rapid succession, a necessary ability for a weapons specialist in a special forces team deployed in open country. One concession to the nocturnal nature of this mission was that Blake replaced the rifle's usual...